Hello and welcome to Ponderland, and once again, apologies for the delay between episodes. It's the 6th of October 2023, and today I am going to be talking about a post-truth world which seems to be all around us, at least here in the West anyway. Where do I start? The Conservative Party, who are the ruling party in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, have just finished their conference, their annual conference. And it was one of the most bizarre, crazy things I've ever seen play out. And here's why. They've been in power now for 13 years. They took power after the global banking crash, which they seemed to blame on the Labour Party, who were the power, who were the party in power before them. And they set about overseeing a period of austerity, which kind of broke the country, which led to a lot of disenfranchised people, in my opinion, voting for Brexit, which was Britain exiting the European Union, which has been a colossal act of national self-harm. That's still being played out. Northern Ireland, where I am, is still suffering as a result of that as well because it has thrown lots of cats among lots of pigeons in different ways. And Northern Ireland has been without a government now for around 18, 19 months. And life just isn't really good under the Tories. That's what the Conservative Party are referred to. And yet at this conference, having been in power for 13 years, they seemed to be talking as though they are the party of change. And the last 13 years has been but a dream or something. And they're scrapping HS2, which is their high-speed rail project, which has been under development for about 13 years. They're scrapping it. They're going to be one of the only European countries without a high-speed rail network, and they can't even connect now the north of the country to the south, which was the whole premise of equity and levelling up and stuff like that. And they're now saying, we are going to get rid of things like so they said we're going to get rid of the meat tax there is no meat tax and labor who are their competitors uh, to be in power haven't proposed a meat tax yet these conservatives are going to scrap the meat tax that doesn't exist they're going to stop you having to use seven bins for recycling and again, nobody has to use seven bins at the minute, and there was no proposal, as far as I'm aware, I certainly can't find one, to use seven bins. 
And if there had been a proposal, it would have been from them themselves. But there isn't. And they talked about the sinister 15-minute cities where they're, they're going to get rid of those so that no council can tell you how often you can go to the shops and it won't be placed using CCTV. Now, that's just taking a conspiracy theory straight from Facebook and turning it into party policy. So the 15-minute city thing, which I see some people in our post-truth world going on about, the 15-minute city thing actually makes a lot of sense from a city planning perspective. And the whole idea behind a 15-minute city is that as your city grows and becomes ever more sprawling, as most successful cities do, they're designed in such a way that no matter where you live in that city, that everything, your basic needs can be met within a 15-minute journey, and I don't know whether it's a walking journey or a cycling journey or a driving journey. Most cities shouldn't be, you shouldn't be driving around cities anyway. Cities should be designed so that you don't have to drive. But the whole thing is, it's about convenience, so it's about having your basic needs met. But of course, and some people who do love a good conspiracy think, no, this is about trapping us in our homes. This is about keeping us permanently locked down. This is about making it so that we never be able to go further than 15 minutes from our house and we'll be placed and we'll be told how often we're allowed to leave the house to go to the shop that is within 15 minutes or to our doctor's appointment that is within 15 minutes. And this is just a ridiculous conspiracy theory. You can't even promote convenience anymore without it coming back to bite you. But the fact that the Conservative Party are taking this, they, they really have... They used to they used to be respected. They used to be... They were always known for being the party of the rich rather than the party of the people, but they were respected in the sense that they had integrity and they didn't do things underhand, or did they? Maybe they did. But now there's certainly no sign of integrity anywhere. It's just xenophobic, transphobic, conspiracy theory-laden nonsense that seems to be playing out with this party. And yet that flies with a lot of people. There are a lot of people now who live in this post-truth world who believe that there are different versions of reality and I think I'm going to be accused of being a sheeple. I haven't woken up and seen what's happening right under my nose. So there you go. The Labour Party conference is next week, so should it turn out to be just as crazy as a bag of frogs I'll do another recording and let you know and we had Penny Mordant who's a member of the cabinet and she stood up and just did a speech about standing up and fighting and she really just you would be surprised I didn't think somebody could say stand up and fight so often in one speech but she says what must be a record number of times so it's all pretty much Look for it online. It's on Twitter. It's on YouTube. Stand up and fight. Stand up and fight. Because when you stand up and fight, other people will stand up and fight. 
And when other people stand up and fight, this party stands up and fights. And when this party stands up, stands up and fights, then the nation stands up and fights. And when the nation stands up and fights, guess what? Other nations stand up and fight. And I have no idea who we're standing up and fighting or what we're even fighting for. Now, if that speech had been in Starship Troopers, I would get it. Because when you're getting invaded by bugs, space bugs, you've got to stand up and fight. And when you stand up and fight, other people will stand up and fight. And when other people stand up, nah, you get it. The Ukraine war is still going on. And I saw a headline earlier about Putin threatening nuclear. That old rhetoric is raising its head. I really can't predict just how this one's going to end. It is... I had hoped it would have been over long ago. I'm still unsure as to whether... The West should have intervened right back at the beginning and just said, no, stop. Because really, we're still under the threat of him anyway. And this whole, oh, we can't antagonize him in case he actually does use these nukes. Don't know. I have a feeling that we, the West, should have intervened. And then I can't go back and see how that would have played out, so maybe... Maybe that wouldn't have been the correct course of action. I don't know. It is sad that it's still going on. It would be... a good thing if Putin came to... I was Well, you can't come to your senses when you have no senses, I suppose. And I think they found, or at least Sky News were reporting, that they'd found grenade fragments in the wreckage of the plane where his mate, his chef, was killed. Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner group. And I think he's still trying to peddle the notion that that was just an unfortunate accident and he lost his bestie. Well, they were besties and then had the big fallout and then they sorted everything out done. So they were, they were besties again. And that's why Putin couldn't have killed him. Yeah, right. What else is going on that I am thinking about? It's the end of season party this evening for the team that I coach. And that will be a lot of fun. And there will be pizza and there will be music and there will be certificates there will be laughter and then when it's all over coaches get to go to the pub and I for one I'm quite looking forward to a cool refreshing pint of Guinness there's a podcast that I would recommend it's quite explicit in its language. It is Free State with Joe Brawley and Dion Fanning. And Joe Brawley is a barrister, but he's 
a former Derry County footballer from Dungiven. He's an All-Ireland winner. And he's opinionated, to say the least. And he's not everybody's cup of tea. But his podcast is really good. Free State. And this week they've been talking about... There were two episodes this week. He had Pat Gilroy, former Dublin manager, on. And they were talking about the GAA, the Gaelic Athletic Association, and its long-standing volunteering ethos, and how that has been compromised in recent years as the game has started to move towards a more professional-looking outfit. And if you're into that sort of thing, and even if you're not into that sort of thing, there are other episodes of the Free State podcast where they talk about Ireland and the constitutional question and the troubles and stuff like that. So there are there's something for everyone in there, and it's a really good podcast. The... Last thing I'm going to think about is I did a podcast or an episode of this podcast a while ago when your guy, David Grush, was it, had claimed that he had the evidence of the UFOs in America and he had evidence of the cover-ups and of biologics or whatever it was and since that all happened it's really bizarre because there was a hearing in congress and stuff where him and another few people who have connections to the whole uap ufo kind of stuff they all came and presented their stuff to congress but it's kind of just really fizzled out and nobody really just seems to care about ufos anymore it's not like the 1940s and 50s where there was like this mass hysteria about oh is there aliens is there ufos it seems to be now that it's just it's almost candidly just accepted that there is is it i don't know i really don't know and i have to tax my car i've got a letter to tax my car but that's okay because it doesn't produce a lot of emissions, so costs a very small amount of money. But what would you care about that? I'm sure you could not care less about the fact that I've got a letter in front of me saying, Tax your car, boy. It's been three or four weeks since I've recorded an episode, there must be something else that I've been thinking about that's worth me talking to you about as you walk your dog or wash your hair or sit relaxing in your favourite chair. But you know what? If there is, I can't think of it. Northern Ireland, actually, just just while you're here. The DUP are the party that is preventing all the other parties from governing this place at the minute because they're unhappy with the fallout from Brexit. 
that impacts Northern Ireland. So it has effectively created a customs border in the UK between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. And the British government have negotiated with the European Union and the outcome of that negotiation is something called the Windsor Framework. And that framework now is what trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland has to operate within this framework. And the Unionists of Northern Ireland, and I do kind of get their position on this, they're, they're unhappy because it has created this border in the Irish Sea, as it were. Yet, staying out of government in the hope that the British and the Europeans will come back to the negotiating table is a flight of fancy because Britain and the EU... It took them a long time to finally come to this arrangement and that's the arrangement that they're all happy with. So the British government and the European Union 27 countries are all happy with this agreement. The only people who are unhappy with this are about sub 1 million unionists in Northern Ireland, sub 1 million and the UK has a population of about 67, 68 million, whatever it is. The DUP, in my mind, from what I can see, have no leverage. Keeping government down only negatively impacts the people here. It does not impact the rest of the United Kingdom. And the people of England, Scotland and Wales, I'm sure some of them are perhaps politely sympathetic, but they don't really care. They really could not care less what is happening in Northern Ireland, really and truly. They're just happy that we're not killing each other. The only chance, in my opinion, that the Unionists have of rescuing some sort of Northern Ireland, I believe that Brexit has initiated the reunification of Ireland as an independent country. I genuinely believe that Brexit has triggered that and it's an, an inevitability now that that will one day happen. But if the Unionists want to try and rescue a Northern Ireland within the United Kingdom, then they need to make the Windsor Framework work for them because whether or not there's a customs territory or border now in the Irish Sea is irrelevant because it isn't going anywhere. There is an opportunity to exploit the potential of Northern Ireland being able to trade within Great Britain, but also within the European Union. That makes it unique and gives it this kind of special status that could be an economic boon for Northern Ireland. And if Northern Ireland works, whenever the inevitable referendum comes along that asks us, do you want to leave the United Kingdom? Or would you like to remain in the United Kingdom? There are some people who might be hesitant to make that jump, to take that leap into the unknown if Northern Ireland is working and they've got money in their pocket and their kids are getting a great education and they've got great health care. At the minute, everything, all public services are going down the toilet. And... 
the people, the unions keep saying, oh, but sure, even if we were back in Stormont, we, we, what would we really be able to do anyway? Which is a terrible argument, in my opinion, because, here's why, if they're saying government doesn't work anyway, that's like saying, well, what's the point in having government anywhere? But if, no, if government doesn't work in Northern Ireland because it's ineffective or can't be effective, then it makes a nonsense of devolution. And then they might say, oh, but it'll be, it'll be fine. We can be ruled directly from Westminster, from London. We've already established that the, the parliamentarians in London don't care about Northern Ireland. So all they'll do is just look at what is effectively a failing state. They'll not just pour money into it. That's not going to happen. They'll not pour money into it. They will try and offload it. And they'll start pushing, perhaps subtly, a unification agenda. So anyone who's putting their eggs in the basket of direct rule from London, I fear they're making a great mistake. So, my ask to you is if you have any influence whatsoever, if you have a friend who's in the DUP or cousin or your pen pals from abroad with someone from the DUP and you correspond regularly, please ask them to go back into government and to try and make things work here so that the people of this lovely, scenic, rainy, green place can have a little happiness in their lives. Thank you for listening. I'm off now to get ready to go out this evening, do my hair. I don't have any hair to do. Haha. -ha. Okay, thanks for listening to the ramblings of what could possibly be a madman. See ya. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Ponderland. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. To contact the show, you can send us an email, hello at ponderland.life. You can also follow us on Twitter at ponderlandlife. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and most other places where you consume your podcasts. Thank you.